Welcome to the DC Yoga Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Parkinson. Uh, we're here today at the lovely Hyrick House in DuPont Circle in Washington, D.C. with producer Molly. My guest today is Monet Abdul-Majid. Uh, she is a certified 200-hour yoga teacher and hot vinyasa from Always at Home Yoga School, a member of Yoga Alliance and dedicated student of yoga. She's currently enrolled in a 500-hour level program under her beloved teacher, Faith Hunter. She's been inspired by Sean Korn, Shiva Ray, Faith Hunter, Rolf Gates, Sid McNary, Nikki Myers, Molly Cornell, and friends at Melt Hot Yoga and every person who has ever practiced with her, including her children, Layla, Zaina, and Amir. Dr. Monet Abdul-Majid is a racial justice speaker, trainer, and certified yoga teacher. She serves as racial justice coordinator at YWCA York, where she is responsible for leading the organization and York community to racial equality through training, community events, and involvement with York school districts. Dr. Monet is also a registered yoga teacher in the vinyasa style of yoga. She's been a dedicated student of yoga for 16 years and uses her knowledge of mindfulness to inform racial justice work. She lives in York with her husband. How are you doing today? I'm well. How are you, Chris? Yeah. Um, thank you so much for coming down. I really appreciate coming down. Absolutely. What I forgot to mention in the bio is that she's a native of D.C. and grew I up am, here. I am. I am. Don't mute D.C. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so you grew up here, yeah? Yes, I did. Actually, about two miles from where we are. So I grew up in the Petworth area. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you didn't do yoga growing up. No, actually, um, when I grew up here, D.C. was much different than um, it is now. So I didn't know a single person who practiced yoga and I'd never seen a yoga studio. Mm -hmm. So um, I grew up around, you know, the crack era and um, in the, you know, right in the middle of the city. And so that was my reality, you know, on my corners, carry outs guys hanging out, um, not the yoga studios and the farmer's markets that we see today. So I had a much different reality. Were there like recreation areas like around back then where there's like, were there like sports or to this point? Was there, an, was there an outlet at all for kind of like movement, I guess? I guess. Yeah. I mean, I never really thought of that. I mean, but when I grew up, it was movement enough to just go outside and ride your bike. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I would wake up, I'd go outside, play with my friends from up the street. We'd just be on the block. We'd jump double dutch. Uh, we created our own fun. I mean, there was plenty of movement um, beyond yoga. And I was also very involved in my school. So um, I went to two schools. Both of them were private schools. And one was in my neighborhood, and one was on 14th and V. Mm -hmm. And I was just always very involved. So I was a cheerleader. I did dance. Um, almost anything you can name, I've probably tried. So although yoga wasn't my thing, at the time, I had a lot of outlets. Um, I also grew up going to church a lot. Mm -hmm. And so that was a place of movement and um, an outlet. And the church that I grew up in is no longer in the area that I grew up in. It used to sit on the corner. So um, my community that I grew up in, is, as well as a lot of African-American communities, the church was the place for everything. Um, and that church is no longer there and replaced by an apartment building. Apartment building. Yeah. The new churches, I guess. Yeah. 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 Where did you first get to your exposure to yoga then? Oh, my goodness, Chris. So should I just go yeah, start just talking about racism now? So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, as I mentioned, I grew up here and... Uh, I went to high school in the same area. Um, I went to Archbishop Carroll. And so, you know, there were, I mean, I was, I didn't know anything other than black. You know, when they talk about Chocolate City, that was my reality. Mm -hmm. And so um, I graduated valedictorian. So I got a few scholarships. And I chose this school called, um, well, this school in Virginia. Uh, and I thought it was a great idea because academically it was at the top of the line and it um, wasn't too far from where my grandparents migrated from. So my grandparents were a part of the second wave of the Great Migration and they moved from down in Amherst, Virginia to, to D.C., you know, for a better life. And uh, at the time, a lot of African-Americans did that. So I thought this school would be great because, um, number one, I'm on a full ride. Um, number two, uh, you know, academically, I knew that it was something I wanted to do. And I felt like it was right in between, you know, my homes, you know. Although I didn't grow up in Amherst, I had some family there, and I knew I could drive home. Um, but on that campus... 
that was when everything shifted for me. Um, a lot of identity uh, development and unfolding mm-hmm. um, emerged there. And um, that's when I met racism head on. And um, that's systemic racism as well as uh, interpersonal. And for the first time, I saw Confederate flags. Um, and I will say that I grew up being extremely proud of who I was. Mm-hmm. And I had a such, a, such a sense of pride. Um, but I just thought that was the thing. Like, I didn't realize that that was something different or that that was something even to be admired. You know, I just knew that this was my thing. And um, I grew up celebrating black culture and just, you know, honoring it and Black History Month, like being a big deal. And so I go to this school that doesn't even recognize Martin Luther King as a holiday. Classes just went on. Yeah. And not only that, but there were racist comments made. Um, I remember uh, one of the students, they served fried chicken for dinner that night. And the little girl says, you know, my daddy's going to be so mad. They're feeding us in food. I won't even want to say the word. And so this is the campus that I was. And, and not only was I very aware that I was different um, racially, but economically. You know, I grew up, um, I guess we were, you know, I, I never had to go without anything, right? Um, but when I went to college, the students there had a different caliber of money (laughs) that I had never, I mean, the freshman parking lot, first of all, to have a school where freshmen can actually drive, but then the freshman parking lot full of all these cars, I I couldn't even pronounce. The students are vacationing in places I've never heard of. And so to say that this is where um, I found yoga, I know that this is where yoga found me because um, for the first time in my life, I was experiencing anxiety attacks. Yeah, so you'd never you'd never experienced no, that before. No, no, I don't remember ever experiencing um, anxiety, um, depression, and all of those things yeah. to the level that they surfaced when I was there. But see, here's the thing about it: when you're in one of those spaces uh, and you're on a full ride, you're expected to be grateful, you know, sure. uh, because you have everything, and more importantly, like you made it out of the hood. Like you should be very happy and um and a lot came crashing down on me and i didn't know what to do with those emotions but because i've always been very um intelligent i knew how to get good grades so i just like dove head on into my studies and um and and i was just determined to finish because i'd seen a lot of black students come in and not graduate and i didn't want to be one of those and um i had that pressure on myself and i could not sleep um anxiety attacks and um, I found yoga. And it was just one, one week, uh, one day a week, Wednesday mornings at 7 a.m. And I would get up and I would look forward to it all week because I knew that I could sleep in Savasana. Was this, was this a yoga class that they were offering at the school? This was a yoga class they were offering in the gym. Yeah. And the teacher, um, he taught the Ujjayi breath. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying to another another black student, you know, um, I, I just don't know if I can stay here. I feel like I'm suffocating. Yeah. And this black student said, are you on a full ride? And I said, yeah. He said, well, suffocate. But the Ujjayi breath allowed me to breathe. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I such, do. So yoga became such a tool of resilience for me. And it became the place that I took all of my conflicting emotions, all of the complexities of my inner world, because I I didn't really know how to even articulate this to my family or to my friends who were back here in D.C. because they all they knew was D.C. You know, it is a very lonely place, Um, especially on my mom's side. I'm the first person to go to college, first generational college student. So how do I come home? And mommy is so proud, you know, uh, single mom. She's proud. Um, You know, her baby is doing well, and how do I even articulate what uh, is happening? Yeah, without sounding ungrateful. Yeah, without sounding ungrateful. You know, and and eventually, you know, I think it was like the third or fourth year she started to see a shift and she was worried. But prior to that, you know, you want to be happy and all that. But that was when I found yoga um, when I was 20, and I I just haven't let go. Do you remember your teacher from back then? I do. I remember him. And... I didn't realize it at the time. It was a guy. It was a guy. And I didn't realize he was teaching me Ashtanga. 
Yeah. I didn't even know the name of that. And so I remember um, when I was about to graduate, I went up to him and I'm like, what do I do? I was like, there's no yoga studios in my community because I, I knew I was going to Howard. And um, and he told me about uh, Beryl Baptiste. Yeah. Um, she, he, she's, he said, I'm sorry, not Beryl Baptiste. Beryl Birch. Yes. Beryl Bender Birch. Yeah. Beryl Bender Birch. Yeah. Exactly. And she had this, he told me about it was a VHS and it was called Power Yoga. Yeah. And she did it with her husband. And it was Ashtanga. I mean, they called it Power Yoga, but it was Ashtanga. And I got a chance to work on my Ujjayi breath a little bit more. And so when I came back to DC, I literally practiced that VHS in my room for maybe a, a solid year. Yeah, wore it out. Yeah, <laughs> because I didn't really realize that there were actually like yoga studios that I could go to. And, you know, like that was a completely different world. And um, so eventually I found, uh, came back and I found a studio um, on U Street, like right not too far from the school I went to. And they offered vinyasa. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, so this is cool. It's not like Ashtanga where it's the same thing, but it's a little bit more creative. So I kind of fell into that space. And then um, I would also get yoga journals. So that was where I saw Faith Hunter's face for the first time. I was mm -hmm. like, wow, another black woman who does yoga. Because up until that point, you know, I was the only black woman um, in the class most of the time. Most of the time. Um, did you did you ever get um, other black students to go with you to the yoga class when you were in <laughs> college? Did you try? Was that I'm still trying. <laughs> I Fair. am. I'll, 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 I'll be real with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in graduate school, I did convert one of my best friends, and now she still practices yoga. Um, and I had a few friends that when I was in grad school, and I didn't even I don't even think that I was actively trying to recruit them. But I would just be like, okay, I'm going to yoga. See you later. I'll be back. You know. So it was like this was like your thing. This is where you like yeah, went for everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the day before, like when I got married, right before my wedding, I was doing yoga. Yeah. When I had to defend my dissertation, like I was doing yoga. Um, what? When did you kind of? Well, so I, I tell me more about the the class in college. Was it just like the poses, or was he in the, the Ujjayi breath he taught you? But was was he teaching you meditation? Was he teaching you any other mm -hmm. kind of pranayama? Mm -hmm. It was just the poses. It was the thing that captivated me was the the Ujjayi breath and savasana, because I wasn't getting rest, and I knew that if I went there, um, that little five minutes at the end would uh, give me the energy to keep going, even if it was just pr until the next Wednesday when right. I came back. And people still tease me now because I say I come for a savasana, but I, I really do. I mean, you know, I have three young children, and sometimes they don't sleep, so I'm sleep deprived. And I still cling to Savasana. It's like a new awakening when I get up. Um, yeah, so. the truth, it, it, th there is truth to the t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> do you remember the studio you were practicing at on U Street? I do. It was called Inspired Yoga. Inspired Yoga. It's now, um, I don't know the name of it now, but my beloved teacher, she moved to California. I think that's where she is. She's still doing a lot of work, but she... Um, we became friends. She, we lived on the same block, mm -hmm. and uh, and that became my community. We, we would go hiking together, and um, it was a beautiful space and a great way for me to start and build community mm -hmm. um, around like you know like-minded individuals. So mm -hmm. It was really cool. When did you start sort of discovering like the other side of like the other stuff of yoga? You know, like the mm -hmm. um, kind of like the like the Ashtanga, like the eight limbs. Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like when did you start discovering that type of stuff? Mm -hmm. So. Um, I always wanted, I always would read like yoga journal. So I would get a little bit of stuff here and there. But I was curious about like, you know, this is really changing me. And I, I want to know why, right? So I, I signed up after doing yoga for so many years. People would be like, are you going to teach? Are you going to teach? And I would be like, no, <laughs> because I wanted to hold on to yoga for me because um, I was working, I was in grad school, and this was like my place of being fed. And I knew I wasn't ready to feed anybody. But when I was um, pregnant with my, my youngest daughter, Zaina, I studied uh, 200 hour. At that time, I was living in Wilkes-Barre, mm -hmm. Pennsylvania. And the closest training you know, to me in Vinyasa was about 45 minutes away. So I did the month because I knew I was getting ready to have a baby. And so I, was, I, did, I trained when I was eight months. I finished when I was like right at nine and I taught my first class um, 
maybe two or three weeks before I had her. Yeah. But that was when I learned about the eight limbs. Um, prior to my official 200-hour, I would take trainings here and there with different people. So, um, you know, I was certified in, in street yoga, and I did that at Yoga District. Um, I've done Nikki Myers Y12SR training, and I did half in Richmond, and then I did, and I traveled there, and then I did the other one virtually. Um, I always visit, I always, like every year I would see Sean Korn. Mm -hmm. And so I would get, you know, so I would, I was getting bits and pieces of yoga philosophy um, here and there. And, you know, a regular practitioner looking for retreats, like I would just go and seek. Um, but the 200 hour and now my 500 hour is where I'm getting the real yoga philosophy mm -hmm. in terms of like, oh, that's why that works. Yeah, um, it's so it's fair to say you have a you have a pretty pretty good background in uh, in sociology and yeah. uh, so how like because this is what interests me the most is mm -hmm. is there stuff you can pick out from the thousands years old philosophy of yoga that um, is uh, applicable to to today oh like yeah. in the, like like in yeah so go yeah. go ahead. Yeah, so, you know, thinking because about... Because that's, to me, like, to me, that's, like, the heart of the yoga is that the mm -hmm. same stuff that they're talking about 3,000 years ago and the same stuff that... that it's still, because we're humans, we're still doing that today. And so the yoga still works. And that's the thing that makes the yoga so special is that there's this long history, and no matter which generation finds it, they still come up with sort of the same stuff in it. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, even when we talk about, you know, my work with racial justice and how I came to that. So I think that. E so I've been practicing now for 17 years. I found it when I was 20 and I think things evolve. Right. And so the more you grow in the practice, the more the practice will require of you. Mm -hmm. I believe that. And so I was at a yoga training um, for my 500 hour with Hari Das. And he talked about, you know, having a cause, you know, talking about, you know, what is your dharma? And like, mm -hmm. what is your your thing? And he gave all these causes. And I was like, racism, of course, because that's what I talk about all the time. You know, um, my degree in sociology, uh, my concentration is social inequality, right? And so just this idea that all beings should be happy and free and, you know, and that I should contribute to that, um, that's all yoga philosophy, you know? And so when he said it to me, you know, he said it in the training, and I was like, oh, that's my cause. Like, that's what I have to, you know, or, or when I think about uh, the Ganesh mantra, mm -hmm. you know, and the way that I talk about what my success looks like and the obstacles to that, um, you know, or, or just, you know, there's a way through every block. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so just... Uh, um, it just it just makes sense to me. Even and so when I do my yoga, my racial justice training, sometimes I'm in spaces where people don't practice yoga. Yeah. Um, but what I say in, in simplest terms as it relates to yoga philosophy is this very definition of what yoga is. Right. It's yoga. It's it's the unity, the mind, the body, the spirit. And on an individual level, this being connected, but then understanding that we're all connected, that we are a part that you're that each person is a part of something bigger mm -hmm. right and so um just by the very definition of what yoga is you know it really informs uh my racial justice work mm -hmm. did you was there ever a time when you were strictly just like a yoga teacher like where you taught like mm -hmm. 15 classes a week mm -hmm. or something like that mm -hmm. tell us yes, about that absolutely was that um, here in dc or was that up in no, Pennsylvania? yeah that was when i first became a certified yoga teacher i um I quit my day job. <laughs> I left um, the federal government. I've been there for 16 years, and I decided I was going to take care of my babies. At that point, I had uh, two young girls, both under two, and I was just going to teach yoga. So I was teaching um, four or five classes a week. Mm -hmm. um, I remember, yeah, at least four or five, and then I would sub for people, and I was doing a little freelancing. Um, and so I've had that that time, and now I am down to two regular classes a mm -hmm. week, and they're both on the same day. <laughs> and then I do some weekend stuff, but um, you know, and I just you know do little workshops and things here and there. But um, the teaching, a lot of the teaching, is 
it's only good to a certain extent because when I first became a teacher, I needed to teach that much to learn my craft. Yeah, of course. You know, um, but it's it's tough because you it's hard to be fed. You know, because you're constantly giving, you're constantly giving. Um, and fortunately for me, I didn't have to do the teach all the classes in a place like D.C. where you have to go to all these different studios. So the town that I started in, in Wilkes-Barre, was only two yoga studios. And uh -huh. I was like, okay, I'm only teaching here. <laughs> so, I, you know, it avoided all the running around. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, for me, you know, it, it's just, it's it's a really tough spot because, we invest so much into our trainings uh, financially, mm -hmm. and sometimes just teaching classes, we can maybe break even. Um, yeah, I don't like when I do my yeah. teacher training. <laughs> I tell people like, look, on the first day, I tell people, look, if you think you're going to get rich teaching yoga, like, just walk out. Yeah, just don't. <laughs> just don't bother. Yeah, yeah. don't even bother. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, and um, you know, I, and I also, like I said, I have kids, so you know, my time is valuable. If I'm away from them, I have to pay someone or, you know, to take care of them. So I at least have to make sure that I'm bringing in that. And, um, but yeah, so I'm not teaching as much, but I, uh, have, uh, people request that I teach more yeah. and I wish I could fit it in, but right now. You've had, you've done a lot of trainings in the past with a lot of different teachers. What's yeah. kind of like your style? Like what, what kind of class do you teach? Like oh my with goodness, Asana? Chris. I teach so many different, different forms. Really? Yeah. So, um, I teach at a gym, um, and it's the best place to teach. Yeah. I mean, I love it. They have childcare and it's a wonderful community. And that is, I just call it, it's just really Hatha. I mean, it's just the, it's breathing. It's, it's longer holds. Um, some people might call it gentle yoga. You know, I just have very basic music in that class. Um, a couple times I didn't have music at all. Um, and people love it. I, I get the same people every week. Um, and then I do teach vinyasa. So just last night we had a glow party at our studio. Yeah. We had a live DJ. It was fun. It, you know, I had people dancing around the room. Um, it was very energetic. I mean, it was sweaty. It was 90. Um, and then sometimes I teach Bikram. I do. Um, the studio I work at, they have all different forms. So sometimes I'll teach that. Mm -hmm. And, um, I do teach a, a class called Yoga for Justice, mm -hmm. and I teach that at the YWCA and, you know, whoever requests that of me. So I would say my style, it just it just varies, but I don't think my message varies that much. You're not you're you're if you come to one of my classes, you're probably going to walk away with something deep, you know, because even with the glow class, you know, I talked about, you know, um, only light can drive out darkness, you mm -hmm. know. As Dr. King said, you know, so we're sitting, people are like, oh, yeah, I'm going to a glow party, but I'm going to, you know, challenge you to think about, you know, the dark spaces and how can you be light? Mm -hmm. And even the darkness within, you know, we all have some darkness and some light. And so what does that look like? You know, um, so like I said, I train under Faith Hunter. She has the Spiritually Fly brand. And so with the spiritually fly, you know, we're supposed to be incorporating all eight limbs into our classes. So it's not just asana. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so they all have a message. At what point, like when you, let's go back to when you were younger too. Yeah. At what point did sort of the yoga and the racial justice like collide? Huh. I mean, pretty much right away, right? It sounds no. like, but, but no, no, like no, when Chris. did, when did it, mm. yeah, when did it, when did that happen? It was not right away. It was actually very recent that these two worlds collided. Um, it's actually just very recent that all of my worlds are colliding in this beautiful way yeah. because I always felt so compartmentalized. Like I was, you know, I was in the federal government and then I, I love teaching. So I was a professor and then I love doing yoga. So I was doing yoga over here. And then my racial justice has just been something with me. I mean, if anyone who has a conversation with me, um, it's just always there. I've always just been reading and all that. And it was when I enrolled in my 500 hour, um, my teacher, Faith Hunter, she asked about our goals. And I was like, mine is just to refine my voice. Because prior to that, I was just a yoga teacher. And the studio, my, the first studio I worked at, um, it was a very well-run business. Um, and I just kind of taught a class. You know, I didn't even think about, maybe a couple times I had themes. But um, I was still so new, and I didn't know exactly what my, what my real message was. And so in faith training, you have to choose like a mantra for 40 days, and you have to you know, commit to that. And so, uh, like I said, my goal was find my voice. 
And I started doing the Ganesh uh, mantra every single day. And here's the real scene. Uh, as soon as I enrolled in Faith's training, found out I was pregnant, and I, I was not intending to be traveling back and forth, pregnant and all this. And then I also find out I'm having a boy, my very first boy. And uh, I'm doing this mantra, and I'm hearing Hari say, you know, what is your, your cause? And um, a friend at yoga, I, I've always been outraged uh, um, about racism. And there was a school up the street from where I live, not too far from the yoga studio, that I met this friend. I said, you know, the students were going around saying white power um, at the high school. It made national news. It was around the time when Trump was elected. And so I said to my friend, I was like, what is being done about racism in this town? Because I've only been living in York for two and a half years. So if you know anything about relocating to any small town, you have to get your way in. And yeah. it's all about who you know. And, you know, not even not everything is on the Internet and Facebook. It's about being invited because you know people and all this. So she said, well, you know, there is a woman in town doing something about racism, and I'll, you know, connect you to. So I met up with this woman, um, and we talked, and we just hit it off right away. And um, and then she said, Have, did you hear about this 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 job, this part-time job at the YW of racial justice? You, you're, you're highly qualified. And I was like, oh, yeah. I saw that, and I applied for that, you know, months ago. But when I applied for it, I was doing that Ganesh Munch, and I had never applied for a job in uh, York. I really didn't even know if I wanted a real job. Mm -hmm. But I knew that it was part-time, and I knew that I felt called, and I, I felt led. And here I am pregnant, and I was like, do I even want to interview while pregnant? Is that a thing? You know, I was like, well, they're the YW. They should love women, right? Um, uh, the mission there is eliminating racism, empowering women. So I was like, okay, this should be fun. And I, I just embraced the process of that. And I embraced, I enjoyed the, the interview process. I enjoyed the pre presenting. And, you know, I, I enjoyed just every bit and piece of it. And um, so I'm doing my thing. I'm doing my training. I'm working there. And then the YW, they shut down the gym. They just completely, the gym leaves. And they say, we want to make it a yoga space. And I'm like, a yoga space? I just happen to be a certified yoga teacher. Mm -hmm. And so they sent us on this retreat to Omega, and they asked me to do a workshop. And so I did what has been coined Yoga for Justice. And so I did it on uh, Satya, truthfulness. And that was the theme. And then and, th and that's when it just, I was like, why have I, why didn't I know this? Because when I started doing that Ganesh mantra, I, I knew that my cause was racism because I've always felt drawn to it. I knew that I was having a little black boy, and Trayvon's face just flashed through my mind as soon as I learned I was having a boy. So I knew I had to be, you know, Monet 2.0. I had to step it up a bit in terms of my giving and in terms of my serving. Um, but I didn't quite understand how the worlds would collide. I just didn't see how. Uh, I knew it made sense in my mind, but I didn't know that it would make sense in other people's minds. So as I said before, you know, I follow Sean Korn. I've been going to her workshops. I did a yoga of awakening with her. And she talks a little about um, social justice in general, you know, but mine is more focused, you know, racial justice is what, but she, so she kind of brings it up a little bit. So I'd kind of seen it done a little bit, but not in the way that felt natural to me. So that's, that's kind of how it just came together. And, um, what I do at the YW, I go out and I do a lot of racial justice trainings, but I would just always start with meditation, um, setting an intention, because whenever you talk about race and racism, um, it can be very heavy. Yeah. And hardly anybody wants to talk about it, you know, and some of the trainings they request that I come and some of them they're made to come. You yeah. Know? And so, uh, so that's how I just began to fuse mindfulness into my racial justice work. And um, I just really haven't looked back. And um, the more I do my thing, the more people ask me to do it. So when you go to yoga, <coughs> when you go to yoga studios um, and you do this, like what's sort of the response? Well, a lot because of times... Because presum I don't want to presume anything, yeah. but presumably you're going to places that are majority white. Right, Absolutely. Absolutely. So I don't always <coughs> go to just yoga studios. It's um, 
boards, uh, law firms, um, all different spaces. And so what I'm doing in three weeks uh, at Lighthouse will be even different for me um, because it's a two-day workshop and I get a lot more time to dive in. And so I'm, I have a survey that people are filling out right, right now and I'm curious to see how it will unfold yeah. because, you know, <laughs> in a lot of yoga spaces, and this, this will be my first time doing it in D.C., but in a lot of yoga spaces, sometimes there's a lot of um, defensiveness and it comes across as like, this isn't a problem, you know, it's about love and light, you know, and why even talk about this? You know, yoga spaces are, you know, uh, people feel like uh, they are, some yogis feel that they are above talking about something like racism because um, it's a lot of reasons why. But, you know, I think that one of them is, like you said, predominantly white. And yeah. so with that comes white privilege. And if you don't <coughs> um, have to live with the reality of systemic racism, you may not see it. Right. Yeah. It's a part, lens. Of the, part of that privilege is just assuming that everybody has, has the, the same has the same reality you do. Absolutely. Right. And so it's like in your reality, it's not a problem. So why yeah. are we talking about it? And that's exactly right, that's the. That's the rub, right? Exactly. And then, you know, my question is, you know, well, do you want to know what it's like for me? You know? Um, and did you did you feel when you were taking yoga classes, like, as the, you know, sometimes the only black person in the studio, did you feel, did you feel that? Was there, or was it still a yoga place where you were just kind of, you were there to kind of be free for yourself so you didn't recognize it or, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, there were times where I felt it more intensely um, when, I when I would go travel. And I just walk in a yoga studio and they don't know me and they're like, oh, you probably should go in the back. And I'm like, OK, I mean, I, I, I know how to practice yoga, but, you know, but in those instances. I mean, I'm making weird faces yeah. because that because that to me does seem strange. Like yeah, that, yeah. that seems to me very, very odd behavior. Mm -hmm. it, it, like it is very odd behavior. It is very odd behavior. And <coughs> I think, you know, where. I practice, I'm very, very, I'm, I'm a very good reader of energy. So when I joined, you know, Inspired Yoga, I could feel that I was safe there. Um, and if I go travel and I just need a yoga class, even, I really just don't care, you know, and, and because I know why I'm there. And I know that by me staying um, there and even maybe being a bit uncomfortable, um, maybe I can make the way for the next person of color who will come into that space. So there, I will say that there are times where I have felt it. And um, I just I just knew that there was something greater for me and that it was more about that person. Um, and then there's other times where I felt it, I didn't even say anything, and I've had some of my white friends be allies and you know say that they notice things too. They notice it as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like, you know, um, <laughs> it's funny because yoga, People who practice yoga have their same space where they lay their Oh, mat, yeah, of course. Yes. And there has to They're be a very certain amount of space. So we talk about non-attachment, <laughs> right? But really. Yeah. <laughs> yogis can be very attached to the, the yes. space they have to practice at in their studio, yes. Yes, and, 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 and you know, in D.C., most of the studios that I practice were very small, so we would be mat to mat. But here I go in Pennsylvania where there's, like, all this real estate. So if you get too close to people, oh, they're uncomfortable, and they're going to move. And, they're, and so, you know, it would happen, and then one of my friends would be like, just that guy, he's like that all the time. Like, you know, and I'm thinking if I had been a white woman, would he move in such manner or, you right. know, and so I just think about it. And then <coughs> in my mind, I just need to keep coming back, you know, because part of our yoga journey is sitting through um, being uncomfortable. Um, but there are a lot of spaces in the yoga community where I've been welcomed and my ideas have been welcomed. And, um, even where I work now, uh, twisted ro twisted roots, and I share I share who, who I am with them all the time. And when I first started working there, it was called Bikram, mm -hmm. and then they changed it because <coughs> she there was a new manager, and she um, wanted to invite different forms of yoga. But even the symbol is twisted roots, and there's a tree, and there's roots, and all that. And I, you know, I'm sure it has meaning to her, but when I saw it, I was like, oh, it reminds me of my roots and how twisted they are, you know, with yeah. this history of slavery and, and Jim Crow. And she's like, huh, you know, and um, and she said, tell me more about that. And that's a space where I feel welcomed, 
Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, Where I show up and they laugh at me because I always wear big earrings. I just always do. And most of them are African-American culture. And it's to the point that if I don't wear my big earrings, the students are like... People know something's wrong. Yeah, they're like, wear your earrings. (laughs) Like, why don't you have them on? Um, But I just think about those spaces when I show up as the teacher um, and that even that, representation matters. So for maybe there will be another student of color who will come in and they will see me, and they will feel safer. Or maybe there are some white people that need to see um, a person of color be in power mm-hmm. just for an hour, you know, running the show, holding space for them, um, being able to lean into me in a way and knowing that they'll be taken care of. They say I'm a nurturer, and it's true. Anybody who comes to my classes will get that. And so, um, so but I will say that the positive has greatly outweighed the negative experiences I've had. And I'm really grateful for that. (coughs) Do you, I mean, I guess my $24,000 question is, um, how do we get more people of color to practice yoga? I'm still trying to figure that out, Chris. Right, I know. We'd be millionaires if we could figure that out. Yeah, I'm still trying. Um, (coughs) I'm trying different things. You know, I've tried uh, different places, different spaces. Um, But I think for me, the more I just continue on this path, um, and allow yoga to change me from the inside out, it'll be attraction rather than promotion. I do believe that. No, I think that's absolutely right. I think, yeah. I think the, you know, one of the things we can say for sure is that if you, you know, if you, I mean, if you really want to make a change, you change mm-hmm. yourself, mm-hmm. right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot to that, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, then, yeah. and then you, you're an example for other people, and then people do it themselves. Right, right? And, and if I speak my truth, you yeah. know, because I think that... Uh, you know, there's a woman in my town now. She asked me a lot of questions about yoga. And she'll probably, people see me, and I'm normally very calm, you know, even with my children. You know, I'm patient out in public and all that. But when I speak my truth of, like, hey, I've suffered from anxiety, and I've suffered from depression, and yoga has been a tool of resilience for me. Um, yoga has been that place for me. You know, just, just sharing my truth. And, and what you see here is not, y- I'm always evolving and I'm always mm-hmm. learning and I don't have it all together, you know, because I think there's a persona, um, you know, that yoga, pe- people who practice yoga, or especially if you teach yoga, that you have a perfect life. And, you know, I'm able to share that, you know, there's things I need to work on. I mean, this is one of the things that people need to understand about who don't practice yoga is that, um, yoga isn't about like uh rainbows and like Mm-mm. clouds and stuff like Mm-mm. yoga is hard work it is and like it's the most beneficial work you could possibly do because it's all internal mm-hmm. um and yeah you do get feelings of bliss and sure you mm-hmm. feel great in shavasana but you know that isn't the goal mm-hmm. right the goal mm-hmm. the goal is to do the hard work and mm-hmm. then to feel proud of the fact that you've done the hard work and to mm-hmm. feel real resilience you know because you go through so much and you come out the other end and you're stronger mm-hmm. yeah and and it's such a practice you know when i tell people you know i've been doing this for 17 years and you know and i will never arrive this is the process and yoga has been with me through all of my evolving, you know, even, um, you know, evolving to be a mother, mm-hmm. you know, I was, you know, I had, a b- I was pregnant, I lost a baby, I was trying to get pregnant, all of this, all on my yoga mat. Um, but yoga has been with me, like, through all of that. And I think that yoga is not the easiest thing. Because here's the thing, you know, if you want to stretch, you can just go stretch. You know, if you want to get fit, you can go running, you can go walking and all that. But if you, when you come to yoga, you know that there's something more. Even if you don't know exactly what it is, mm-hmm. you have to crave something more. Because otherwise, you just stretch. You, you wouldn't, you know, expose yourself to this deep inner work. You would, um, and so for me, you know, on my mat, the only way out is through. In fact, just this morning, I was talking to a, a yoga, another yoga person, a woman, and she was talking about her journey with therapy. And she's like, you know, it's just getting worse before it gets better. That's how yoga is, too. You know, things will come up, things will be evoked, and you have to kind of stay with it, you know, I- whether it be an emotion, um, a feeling, um, or just in pigeon, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> hanging out in pigeon pose where, you know, you're storing emotions in your hip and you're crying every single time you come into pigeon and you can't figure out why for months, you know. And so um, it's definitely not the easier, softer path, but I know for me it is the path. Yeah. And and it is so much in it, especially for uh, women of color, men of color, people of color, 
um, and I'm speaking especially about black people with the history of slavery and Jim Crow um, and the, the trauma, racial trauma, right? And so in yoga, we talk about, <coughs> and I know Nikki Meyer says this, the issues are in our tissues. And so when you're on your yoga mat and you're creating freedom in your body and you're moving around, a lot of things come up. And some of that stuff is generational trauma. Right. And so, you know, here I am, I'm thinking I'm on my mat and I'm, I just want a baby and all this. And, you know, ancestrally, you know, I have ancestors who were having babies and they were taken and sold, yeah. you know, into slavery. You know, we just lost um, Toni Morrison and, you know, her book Beloved, where a mom would rather, you know, kill her child than to have her be have her child be enslaved. You know, so like mm -hmm. I'm all of that is in mm -hmm. my in my body. You know, um, and I'm on my mat and I'm moving around in it and I'm shaking up energy and I'm trying to create space. And um, so I definitely believe that. I mean, I would love to see and I'm very vocal about it that, um, you know, this inner work, I see it twofold. You know, I see I see a place for Well, first of all, I believe that yoga has all of the tools to create racial justice and racial harmony all the tools, when you talk about the eight limbs, you talk about the yamas, you talk about the niyamas, all that stuff. Um, when you talk about the breath, um, you know, we have this toolkit, right? And we're, we're all gonna have to use it a little bit differently, you know? And so when my white friends are like, you know, what can I do, what can I do? I'm like, do your inner work. Maybe you journal. You know, I had a white friend and she, t she has some guilt because, you know, her grandfather, great-grandfather owned slaves, and she's still sitting on some of that wealth, and she's like, I just feel so guilty, but that had to come up and come out, mm -hmm. right? Um, and not in a place of being defensive, right? But in a place of, like, this is my truth, you know? Even for her, like, that's her truth, you know? Um, not running away from that, you know? And then, you know, for, uh, for people of color, like, dealing with the trauma um, of racism. And, yeah. and this is a trauma, unlike <coughs> other, you know, most traumas happen just the one time or a few times and they're done, but racial trauma happens again and again. You know, it, it's being pulled over, you know, by the police. It's being followed around a store. It's um, the other couple months ago taking my baby for his well appointment. And they're like, oh, we give out free books to the babies. And I'm flipping through this book. It has about 20 pictures of babies, not one black yeah. baby. And I'm like, so you want me to show my son this so nobody looks like him? So this is this is the reality. And I believe that yoga even has the tools to deal with that, you know, because so much of what I see in my community is internalized racism. Mm -hmm. So how do we get through that? How do we how do we dive deep? And I, I, I just believe that yoga has the tools for that. Um, and to, to really do that, the inner work to create the change because I, I do a lot of my trainings on systemic racism. So people find it odd when I start talking about doing internal work because I believe that when we change this individual, because these are individuals making these systems, we do understand this. So the individual work, I believe, can transform the systems as well. So it's, it's, it's all over. It's not like we can just focus on the laws and the policies and just yeah. go straight, you know, although that's also very valuable work but I'm always talking about eliminating racism one heart at a time. Yeah, yeah, you can't, um, you can't uh, change society by telling people what to do. Yeah. A lot of times they just won't listen. No. Um, you, gotta, you gotta change, everybody's gotta change themselves, and mm -hmm. that's how we change the world, honestly. Yeah. You don't change the world by telling people what to do, you don't change the world by putting on a new product, you change the world by changing yourself, and then the next person changes themselves, and the next person changes themselves. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, that's <coughs> why when my white friend's like, what can I do, what can I do? And I'm like, just do your own work. You yeah. know, maybe you journal right, maybe you um, volunteer, maybe you just read uh, or be around uh, culture that's different than yours. Maybe you just have friends that are different, because most of my white friends have all white friends, you know, and then, you know, so it's like, maybe you just do something small. Um, but just do your work. And it's so interesting because I, I have a lot of white friends. And one of my white friends, we were in a space together. And um, someone, she felt like someone was attacking me. Although I didn't feel that way because it was, I was asking for feedback. So I was, I was fine with it. And she's like, I just wanted to like run up there and save you. And I'm like, no, no. You know, in that situation, like, don't you believe that I'm strong enough yeah, to? Yeah, exactly. You don't need saving. No. Yeah. And if you want to help, ask <coughs> me, how can I help? Do you need any help? Yeah. Are, you, are you good? You know what I mean? And so, but I do a whole training on bystander intervention. Um, and, you know, but it is doing your work because when we talk about um, 
small things that my white friends can do. Maybe it's you interrupt a racist joke at the dinner table, right? But that's not for me. That's for you also. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like if you're laughing at someone else's oppression, then how does that make you feel? Um, You can't feel good about that. And so, you know, that's, I really just do believe in this, doing this internal work. Is there, is there some like, um, because uh, I don't, I don't see an awful lot of overt racism in DC Mm. in yoga studios, Mm -hmm. but we kind of touched on it earlier, that sort of, um, it's not systemic, that sort of, um, invisible like racism that's there. Mm -hmm. Like, is, is there something that you see like in studios in DC or in other cities that, that, that I wouldn't maybe notice Mm -hmm. because, because Mm -hmm. I'm a white male? Oh yeah. Like, is there like, like something that the way that the counters are set up, is there, you know, stuff like that? Yes, yes, yes. So part of what I see, uh, first (coughs) of all, um, the cues, um, I've been in studios where they're like, you know, um, They'll say something like, you know, squeeze your your hands so tight that your knuckles get red. And, you know, my knuckles don't get red, you know, Um, or the messaging, you know, what's on your website? Do you have students of all colors or is it just, you know, white students on your website? Messaging is a huge one. Um, um, Or, you know, some of your events. Are you uh, acknowledging cultural events? Um, or do you believe that you know everybody celebrates Christmas or or whatever? Um, so I think it's it's just it's one of those things that uh, it's a lens in which to see things. And once I help people see that lens, they start to question more because uh, a lot of white people don't understand that like whiteness is the norm. Right. You know they don't even see whiteness. It's like oh that's this just is default. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so it's just really lifting that veil of other things you know, to think about, um, or, you know, being very strategic with who you invite to teach at your studio, and, you know, are your teachers all white women, you know, or, you know, so it's things like that, and I think that, um, you know, representation does matter a whole lot, or a lot of studios, when they collect money for donation, like, are you donating to organizations that their mission is eliminating racism, or that serve, um, minorities or you know so right. I think it's it's <coughs> about those things um, from what I see I don't see a whole lot of overt racism but I see a lot of white dominance um, and um, and I think for for right now especially where our our country is you know that's how it's manifesting although I do see you know any one look at Twitter or you see a lot Mm -hmm. of sometimes very overt, but in yoga spaces is very subtle. And I think it's, it's that spiritual (coughs) bypassing, Chris. It really is this spiritual bypassing that I see in studios where, uh, if you bring up something like that, they're like, Oh no, we, we don't do that here. We don't need that. Um, it's, it's love and light, but are you really living that? Because, you know, when you come to the yoga class, that's just an hour, but you have 23 hours yeah, of, the day, left. of yeah. the day left. So what are you doing when you're leaving your mat? You right. know, and, and I think that when we do the spiritual bypassing, we're not even, some teachers, we're not challenging our students to go deeper. Right. Well, and I think a part of it also is too, is that, you know, when you teach <coughs> true love, right? True love comes along with a whole lot of other stuff. Mm-hmm. In other words, for truly to love somebody, you have to not just love them because they're a person, right? But you have to love them because of what makes them who they are. Mm-hmm. And that means like looking at people, uh, all of their shit, mm-hmm. not just like the good stuff, not mm-hmm. just the smiling faces, but you have to love like their history. You have to love their experiences. Mm-hmm. You have to love their uniqueness. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's messy. And so a lot of people just decide, well, I'm not, you know, that will take time. And I'd rather just say, like, well, I just love everybody. And mm-hmm. you're missing mm-hmm. sort of the point of love, which is you find a deeper expression of love when you actually get to know somebody a little bit for a little bit better, mm-hmm. right? Warts and all, right? That's when you get the true love, right? Mm-hmm. That love that sticks inside of you instead mm-hmm. of just a love that's fleeting that you get for an hour, right? Absolutely. You said it. And I think that, you know, that's also mask is like, you know, I don't see color. You know, <laughs> you know, and like you yeah. said, you know, if you really want to know someone and love someone, you got to, you can't see me and not see color. You know, this is who I am, you know. 
Um, I don't feel good when people are like, well, I just, we just don't see color. Like, I just never even see, you know, that. Um, I'm like, what, you, you don't see me and um, all that exactly. I bring, you know? So, I mean, so and, you also said like, it. and also, like, <coughs> you know, we make assumptions, mm-hmm. right, based on our own experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see people who are of similar either color or sex or sexual orientation or something. And we make the assumption that because they're the same as us, that they've had the same experiences. And then, but we also, and so that's a mistake, first of all. And then secondly, what we tend to do is when we see somebody who's different from us, we will make a lot of assumptions. And then we start to like get on these like, these tenter hooks, right? We start to get all like nervous, like we're gonna, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, and this yeah. is, and this is one of the things that you really, that like I've tried to do in my own life is to try and not be like so nervous about it and just, just be yourself mm-hmm. and just be like, and just don't make the assumption and then listen. Mm. All you need to do is listen. Mm-hmm. Like, because if you're not listening, your assumptions take over and then you act based on the stuff that you've made an assumption about. It but seems you like you've been to my implicit bias workshop, Chris. <laughs> you got it. Exactly what I'm you actually, just I'm, a, I'm actually very, very blessed. I, I work down at the Navy Yards community. Okay. Um, and we have, um, for Washington's, um, in ter- what I think in Washington is a very diverse um, uh, membership base down there. Okay. Um, in my yoga studio, there are, I mean, it is, you know, it is as diverse as it gets. Yeah. Um, and like I've made a point of trying to get to know members in a way so that I can be um, hold space for for people better. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when I always I always kind of look funny at guests who come in and they say, you know, I teach a class full of like white women. And I'm like, I, I don't know what that's like. I mm. mean, I, I've, I've, I've I used to do that five, six years ago when I taught other yoga studios. But this yoga studio I teach at, it's not it's just not like that. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just I've just been very blessed to be able yes. to to spend time with people and listen to stories and find out pe- find out about people mm. like and it's it's showed me to my great shame a lot of times like how how much i spent my time in my own life you know making assumptions and making mistakes Mm -hmm. and being a jerk you Mm -hmm. know because i was ignorant Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. it's i've just been really blessed Mm, i can see that i mean i um just even you inviting me here um I'm, i'm grateful for that and i could see you know just even having you know me share my voice and my story um you know and i think when you shared about just even making assumptions about people, I have to say that I say this to even my white friends, like, you know, I do not represent the opinions of all black women. Right. That's right. <laughs> you know that's right. So uh, <laughs> my first question to you is uh, as a black woman, how do you yes. feel about, yes. <laughs> you know, because I mean, I, I even have black family and friends who they're like, Monet, like, why are you always talking about racism? You know what I mean? So, um, I, I I'm just who I am, but I, I know that um, I have a gift to share, and um, I have the ability to reach people because I'm authentic in my message, you know. Uh, but again, I, I just I don't represent because I I even have yoga teachers, um, black, and they say that you know they don't racism isn't a thing for them that that's not going to be their cause. They might be uh, into animal rights or whatever, and I'm like more power to you. I think we all have a role. Mm-hmm. you know, and making this world a better place, the more the merrier. So um, I just I just want to ha- make that disclaimer that, mm-hmm. you know, the way I see things isn't how everybody's going to see things. Um, and, um, yeah, so. So tell us what it's like uh, working with Faith. Oh, my goodness. Faith Hunter. Um, Faith, if you're listening, we want yes, you on the show, too. Yes, I know. <laughs> well, first of all, like, I just back up a bit. Yeah. So after I saw her in Yoga Journal um, and I realized that she had owned a studio in D.C., I was like, I have to meet Faith Hunter. So her studio had um, an opening for a front desk girl in exchange for free yoga. So I used to work for Faith for free. And this was, oh, my gosh, maybe I think in 2007 or something like Mm -hmm. that. I know I was in graduate school. And she was, uh, she was embraced back then? No, it was was Shakti, mind body. She had a studio with another black woman. And so I was their front desk girl and I did it like once a week, but, and I, and after I was at the front desk, I could take her class. And so I admired her and I really wanted to do my 200 hour with her, but I was in Wilkes-Barre. So when I moved to York, I decided I was like, I'm going to drive to D.C. and I can finally train under faith. It is it has been a pleasure. As you see, like I have evolved 
into um, knowing my voice and my message. She has she brings in um, a lot of different yoga teachers to talk about different things. That's how I met Julie, who mm-hmm. that's how I met you. And yeah. she talked. She did a Kundalini workshop, very quality. Um, and um, Hari Das, you know, she brought him in. Um, Jonathan uh, Miles brought him in. Um, so it's a it's a very diverse program you'll be exposed to a lot of different things um her spiritually fly brand Mm -hmm. is what really speaks to me um because she she knows yoga philosophy um she studied it very well and so you're going to pull you're going to learn and it's going to inform your teaching and i will just say that um before i enrolled and i don't this could have just been whatever but i was new to york so i wasn't my classes weren't doing that well um there would be times I would go, I'd have no people. Like <laughs> My class at the gym, I had a friend who would come, an older lady. She's like, I'll just come so you can get the count so they won't cut your class and then I'm going <laughs> to leave. And so that was my classes. And through taking Faith's training, like my class at last night, I had 30 people. My class at the gym, um, the same, it cu- people come, 18 people, you know. So I have seen my classes change Um as I as I've worked with faith because I know I would have never if she didn't require me to do that Ganesh mantra I would have never done that because I don't like to chant so (laughs) I'm still working on that with Kundalini Um, but it's just and 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 when you talk about meditation I was practicing yoga for a long time and I never would commit to meditation because I felt like I didn't need it because I did yoga and then in 2012 I started regular meditation and I how'd you do that did oh, I went to a, a workshop. You went to a workshop? And I found one that resonated with me, that made sense to me. Um, you know, it's just a centering one that you have your word and you come back to it and when the thoughts come. And, and it just made sense to me. And I love it. I still do. So to let go of that practice to do what faith required, um, but then to see it work for me because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a sociologist. So I'm like, okay, maybe I'll approach this like a scientist. I'll just do this to make sure it really doesn't work, you know. Um, and and yoga is a science. Yeah. There's, no, there's no shame in being a scientist <laughs> okay, about your yoga yeah, practice. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, you know, Kundalini call it technology, yeah, but you exactly. know, you want to you want to yeah. get results. Um, but working with faith has been has been amazing. You also get um, mentorship, mm-hmm. and so that's when you know she was really working with me on finding my voice and you know getting away from teaching all the classes and doing more workshops. Like she, uh, when I was far, taught my first um, chakra workshop. She, you know, worked with me on the sequencing. She's like, think about this, do that. And that was all one-on-one. So she's really, really busy. And actually, my class, they've already finished, but I extended because I had the baby. So I missed, like, two weekends. So that's why I only have one more left because mm-hmm. I came back after I had, you know. But my class is, is done, and I'm just with some other people. But it's been amazing. I mean, it's been – I love everything about training at Embrace. Mm-hmm. I love walking there. I love the people that I meet. Um, it's just been, it's just been amazing. Yeah. I always tell people who, cause this is a, a frequent thing to my, my own, um, my own, uh, teaching is, uh, when you come, when you ask yourself, why do people come to my class? Right. You know, mm-hmm. you, you kind of mentioned it earlier. You're like, mm-hmm. you're like, now all of a sudden people are coming to my class. And I always tell teachers who tell me this, um, that, well, that usually means that you're being like your own self in your class mm-hmm. and the people are attracted to that and you're not putting out something that's fake. Yeah. In other words, you're not trying to mm-hmm. teach like a pose. You're not trying to teach this or trying to teach that mm-hmm. because someone's told you it's good to do that. Mm-hmm. You're actually doing something because you think it's a good idea mm-hmm. and that translates and students feel that and that's why people go to your class. Exactly. And I, I thank you for bringing that up because, um, you know, obviously I'm black and Faith is black and we're both short and, you know, but I'm not <laughs> I'm not Faith Hunter. Really, I typically I mean, it's, that's right. I won't go to her class because she's short. <laughs> That's right. I want a taller yoga teacher, <laughs> please. Yeah. But people, people are like, and, and typically, like right now is summer, so my hair is flat, but I normally have big hair, but I'm like, I'm not Faith Hunter. I'm not going to teach like Faith Hunter. I'm training under her, and she is pulling out more of me. Um, but my classes will be different than her classes, you know. Uh, but, I mean, I've been places, and people are like, do you know Faith Hunter? Because you look like Faith Hunter, and you're both short. And I'm like, 
that's my teacher, but mm-hmm. we're, we're different. And we have different experiences even as it pertains to racism. You know, she grew up in Louisiana. I, I grew up here, mm-hmm. you know, so. Um, um, but, yeah, I think that people, I don't know why people come to my classes, but I know how I feel. I know that I feel that I bring all of me. Mm-hmm. And I know that um, the value of me starting to practice and teach yoga in a small town meant that outside of the yoga studio, my life had to reflect that. So I can't teach this class and then go drive around town, you know, hunking and, you know, being rude on the road. Because people will know me, you know. Like, I've had um, instances where people have seen me out in public and I didn't even know. And um, and it's been all wonderful things. I got an email from a woman who said, you know, I saw you with with your children and you had one baby on the hip and the other one reached for your hand. You didn't even look down. You just grabbed her hand and she looked so secure when she grabbed her. I never even saw this woman, right? But it challenges me to make sure I'm living my yoga because when I'm out in my community, um, everybody knows everybody, mm-hmm. you know, and so I need to be authentic in, in who I am. And so that, um, I think people feel that and I think that people feel... It would be way too complicated if you were trying to be one thing in a studio and, it, and then one thing yes, outside of it. It would why? just be, it would just take too much, <laughs> ener- it would take too much energy. Yeah. They, all, they also call this growing up a little bit. Exactly. <laughs> like, like, yeah, by the time like, you get my age. Exactly. You're like, <laughs> you I, I just do not have the energy to try to be. Try to be yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, I, and, you know, people tell me that they come, especially my gym class, because you'd be surprised. You think if you teach in a gym, people just want to work out. But uh, people have complimented that I bring in yoga philosophy mm-hmm. and that. Um, I know the real meaning of yoga, you know, beyond the asana. Um, and so people people are kind of drawn to that, even though, you know, it, it depends on, because I used to think about that a lot, like how thick should I put it on? Like, should I use Sanskrit? Should I not? You know, um, and I just, I kind of do what feels good to my soul. Like today I taught a class this morning, and um, because of the GLOW class last night, I was just feeling like, you know, what is this definition of success? So I taught a class on success, and we talked about, and I wasn't even planning it. Then we talked about uh, Ganesh, and mm-hmm. we talked about um, this quote by Maya Angelou, success is liking who you are, liking what you do and how you do it. And, you know, so the whole class just evolved, and I was able to bring it back to yoga philosophy in a vinyasa class, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so I don't think that people will remember the sequence, but they will remember when we talk about success and what that looks like. So, yeah, yeah I mean, uh, it's, <laughs> look, I taught, I taught a class last night and I mean, after class, someone came up to me and was like, man, that was a great class. And I was like, well, it's the same class I taught on <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> like I didn't really do anything. Like sounds like you did something though. Like you had an, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's the student who does that, who has mm-hmm. the awesome experience. I didn't do it. Like right. I, I was just, I gave them some poses to do. Yeah. You it's know? like we, we are conduits of it because yeah. like this, you didn't do anything. Maybe you probably did, but the yoga did something. Yeah, exactly. They let go of some yeah. shit or they stopped worrying about know. some stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yoga will do that. Yeah. Um, all right, give us a quick preview of what we're going to see at Lighthouse in a couple oh of weeks. Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited. So it'll be a two-day workshop. It's two hours from 2 to 4 on the 21st and then 2 to 4 on the 22nd. And the 21st, we're going to dive into um, implicit racial bias mm-hmm. and what that looks like and how that shows up. Um, and then the second day, we're going to talk about more of the solutions to that. We're going to talk about some resources. We'll be journal writing, doing some meditation. Um, it'll be not a whole lot of asana. Um, there will be some meditation. But the first day is education um, and bringing certain issues to the forefront. And then the second day is solutions. How do we move through it? How do we move past it? Um, I'll tie in yoga philosophy and how it relates to my message of, of racial justice. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it is going to be doing that inner work. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know what the uh, population will look like. Um, and some of this, I can just, you know, allow it to unfold. But if I'm dealing with pe- people of color that might have some racial trauma, you know, there'll be some holding space there and, th- and allowing that to um, come out. Um, but if I'm dealing with, you know, people who really just want to understand and learn and grow, you know, so I'll just come with everything I have. And uh, we, I, d- I am doing a survey right now to kind of help me gauge a little bit mm-hmm. um, 
so that I can serve in the best way possible. But the, the title is called uh, Racism in Yoga Communities. And we'll be, you know, sharing tips on how to move past that um, yeah. in, yoga, in yoga spaces, as well as in our community. So I'm hoping that the tools learned in the workshop that people will take back to their communities, maybe their workplaces, or maybe, you know, our world. So I'm hoping it will, you know, just plant the seed. And, and I, I feel like I'm honored to do it at Lighthouse because they already, uh, the owner is, she speaks about racism, she speaks about patriarchy, um, so a little bit of it will be me uh, not preaching to the choir because you'd be very surprised sometimes people talk the talk, but maybe even challenging the space a little in different ways than they could have imagined. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited about it, and yeah. I hope that people will come, um, even if you're not into Kundalini, because you know I just started getting into Kundalini, but I'm a certified vinyasa teacher, so. Um, all practices, and even if you're not into yoga, mm -hmm. I do believe that this is a training that you can um, benefit from, and most importantly, you can talk about something hard like racism in a very safe space. Yeah, and uh, that's yeah, gonna so be the weekend, the uh, 21st. Yeah, 21st okay. and 22nd. Cool. Yeah, at Lighthouse, and the donations will go to Kingman Boys and Girls Club. It's actually not too far from here, mm -hmm. and um, I grew up. I went to Kingman Boys and Girls Club, and um, Nonprofit, so all the donations will go to help um, young inner city kids like me who used to go there before and after care and all summer uh, and have a lot of movement yeah, exactly. <laughs> and a lot to do. So I love Kingman Boys and Girls Club. That's cool. Well, where, where else can we find you on the web? So I'm at monetamara.com. So that's M O N E A T A M A R A.com. Mm -hmm. And then I'm also on Facebook, Dr. Monet Tamara, and I'm on LinkedIn. Dr. Monet Tamara, my last name, Abdul Majid. Yeah. Um, but Facebook and, and my website are my two primary. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank Monet. you, Chris. Thanks yeah. for inviting uh, me. It's great to have you. <laughs> um, so uh, you've been listening to the DC Yoga podcast um, here at the Hyrick House, producer Molly. Uh, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Have a great day. <laughs>